I want to dig in. I want to, I want to dig in on this text that I have for you. Uh, I should say texts, plural. I want to talk to you about the firstborn from the dead. I want to talk to you about the fact that resurrection is new creation. I've got some text there. Um, you know your pastor. I'm going to be theological this morning. I'm going to also be practical this morning. Uh, and I, I hope I'll be relational this morning. Hey, I want you to know something. I love you. We love you. We miss you. Uh, your, your text emails, your contacts mean everything to us. Uh, if you want to reach out, reach out. We, we want to be more connected now than uh, maybe some of us have been in the past. But uh, Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. The word firstborn is a fantastic and interesting word. It's uh, sparingly used in scripture, uh, especially in the, New, in the New Testament. I'm gonna touch the places where it's given. And um, I want to point out, if you remember when we, were, when we were last talking on Friday, we were here. And that image is so stark and so, so startling. It was Passover. And Passover was when the firstborn, well, when the destroyer of the firstborn came. But if you remember, every house of Israel was spared from the plague of this firstborn. And on this Passover, there was one firstborn who was not spared. And so we saw Jesus on Friday, on that Passover, the one who was, as the scripture says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's the faith of the early church. That's the faith we have as we celebrate the unspared son who is Jesus. Let's go to John now and let's talk about this wonderful story. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. You remember Mary? She's in all four gospels, this Mary Magdalene. In two of the gospels, it's noted, out of whom was cast seven devils. The Bible says, uh, to whom, uh, who, who's been forgiven much, loves much. And here she is. And, and so it says, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken our Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have laid him. John 20, 1 and 2. But I want you to notice something. It was on the first day of the week. Now, on Friday, I told you something. I said, hey, this is a new creation story. The old creation stories in Genesis just begins with in the beginning. Our new creation story is in John. John, I said to you, is, is in many ways telling us about new creation. John is the theological preacher. He's saying, what do these things mean? And so he emphasizes it because twice in this text, he'll say, now on the first day of the week, which was a way of saying in the new beginning, this is the eighth day. This is the day after Sabbath. This is first day, the, the first day. This was the, listen to me now. This was the first day of new creation. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Don't miss it. And it says, 
And Peter went out with the other disciple, Peter and John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look inside, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the clothes lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, I kind of get tickled at John here, the fastest guy, who also went in and saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay, they did not yet understand the scriptures. One of the truths that you have to learn about your Bible is that especially if you're reading in the Old Covenant, when you read that thing, the, the truth was there in plain sight. But people missed it. They didn't see it. They couldn't see it. Listen, you can't see till you can see. One of the beautiful things about studying the scriptures is you will have the experience yourself of, having your eyes open. One of the beautiful things of studying the scriptures is for people who have never entered into the Bible. Listen, the Bible is so fantastic. The study of the scriptures is so fantastic because what will happen to you, you'll have moments where your eyes are open. You couldn't see. Now you now you can see. You go, that was there all along. I couldn't see it. But look here. For as yet, they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. And so the disciples went to their homes, not understanding, because what was there was hidden in plain sight. Those of you who come to this church know that I often go to this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 7. I often go here. This is a, this is a go-to place for me. This is home for me. This is a, this is a heaven on earth place for me. It says, it says in 2 Samuel 7, and this is Nathan the prophet talking to David the king. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. That is to say, you're not going to be the only one. You're not going to be the only one. When your days are fulfilled, David, and you lie down with your fathers, David, I will raise up your offspring after you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Hey guys, you've probably never seen this. Look at that little phrase. I will raise up your offspring. It's fascinating that even today, I would dare say most of you have never noticed that. I don't think I've ever preached it. And I've preached that passage many times. But the early church fathers would go back to this passage and they would say, I I will raise up an offspring after you. Now, let's talk about resurrection. Resurrection is not like you think it is. In fact, most of us, you're going to forgive me and I'm your pastor, I love you. Most of us are more pagan than Christian when it comes to death and resurrection. Because most of us talk in more pagan ways than we talk in Christian ways when somebody dies. In fact, 
Let me just demonstrate that. By the way, the word resurrection is anastasis, and it mean, anastasis, and it means it, it means that he he raises up. It means it's a it speaks of the bodily resurrection. People ask all the time, "What happens when you die? What happens when you die?" Well, if you go to a funeral, you'll hear something like this. All of us are sojourners here and strangers and exiles. But it is truest to say that the soul is in exile and a wanderer and has left heaven for earth, driven forth by divine decrees and laws, and then, as on an island buffeted by the sea, imprisoned within the body like an oyster in its shell. This is the kind of language then that people use when they say, when somebody's gone, they say they've gone home to be with the Lord. This is the kind of language that people use. Most people use language um, um, when it comes to death. We don't talk about, we don't talk really about resurrection. Because we act as if our home is in the uh, ethereal heavens. And this was, by the way, uh, this was the Platonist pagan Plutarch. Little alliteration for you there from a formerly Baptist preacher. And um, he went on to speak about Socrates and others. But more often we speak about being disembodied spirits. Now... There's a, there's a certain truth with that. And I know what people mean, because the Bible does say, like you say, well, what happens when you die? Well, when you die, absent from the body, present when the Lord. That's a hint we have. When you die, the, the Lord said to the thief, this day you'll be with me in paradise. When you die, there is a life after death, but there is... Uh, as one theologian says, a life after life after death. And the life after life after death is resurrection. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is about resurrection. And on this day, when we celebrate Jesus, it was his resurrection from the dead. It was his bodily resurrection. He came back in a new body, a new and glorified body. I want my people to begin to think about um, Easter as the first day of the new creation because that's what happened. For the first time, listen, this is not the first time that somebody um, bodily rose from the dead. This is the first time that somebody experienced resurrection life. Other people in scripture were resuscitated from physical death. But they weren't raised from the dead like this. Not like this. So here is Jesus. He's the only one truly who had come from heaven. He's the only one who took flesh in a way. Um, he's the only one that had a pre-existent experience. You and I are not pre-existent. He's the only one that received humanity and then died as one of us. And then, listen, received it back again. Received new creation life. I want people to start talking about new creation. Listen, does new creation matter in a COVID-19 world? 
Because listen, this is the thing about this Easter. A lot of you are more worried about what's ending. A lot of us are more concerned about what is this the end of? A lot of us. And so I want to declare in a, in a COVID-19 world, the resurrection from the dead, new creation. Anybody who has hope of new creation says, whatever COVID is, it's one more thing we're going through. Whatever governments do with COVID-19, it's one more thing we're going to. It's no different than Rome. It's no different than any other nation that has risen and done whatever things they've done. It's just one more thing because you and I live with our eye on one who came out of the grave in a body and death could no more touch him. He was reborn out of the dead. Let's look at this one. But Mary stood back to John 20, weeping outside the tomb. And she wept as she stooped to look in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus. Well, part of that's understandable. After what he had been through, where Isaiah said his visage was more marred than any man's. But she had known him before that visage was marred. But now he stands there literally hidden in plain sight. Even as the resurrection from the dead was hidden in plain sight in the scriptures for people to see it, here, the risen one is in plain sight, and she can't see him. I told you, I've told you before that it takes eyes of faith to see him. It takes illumination to see him. Information won't get you there. It takes illumination. One of your prayers today ought to be, open my eyes, Lord, because I need to see the risen Jesus, because around me, what I see is a little bit frightening. It's a little bit unsettling. It's a little bit got me in this, in this, in this funk. And... Uh, I've, I did what I did before because I really want you to see something. I want you to see new creation reality, not, not just spiritual versus physical reality. When we put everything spiritual versus physical, we miss the fact that, that in the scriptures, heaven and earth are united. How? In a body. It's the bringing together of spiritual and physical in a union that will establish a kingdom that will be forever. And the temple of our bodies will one be, they be the temple of his new creation reality. But here was, she's looking, she's the witness. In John's gospel, she's the first witness to the new creation. She's the first one to see, it's over. It's over. What we've been going through is over. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? I love this. Whom are you seeking? I'm like, you know me. Who are you looking for? Who'd you come to see? Now look, supposing him to be a gardener. <laughs> hey, if you I love this. I love this so much. Supposing her, him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Hey, guys, um, here is a woman in a garden tomb, and she runs into someone and says, I think he's the gardener. Now, if you if you if your eyes haven't opened to it yet, this is this is what Adam was made to be. Adam, here's the domain, and you're the one with dominion. Who has dominion in the garden? The gardener. And supposing him to be a gardener, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And he said to her, Mary, is there anything like having your name called? (laughs) This is why John always calls himself the one who Jesus loved. This This is what happens to every person who really meets this Jesus. You go, Rabboni, teacher. My beloved teacher. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher, Mary, Mary, listen, where you are today, uh, settled in place, Jesus, listen for a minute, listen. You see, you can't receive what he has to give you if you don't listen. All of heaven opens when you hear him call your name. All of heaven opens. I don't know what we have to go through, folks. I don't know. I know there's too much sorrow in America. Too much sorrow in our world. I know, I know that there's sorrow on top of sorrow. Because if we haven't lost your life or your health, you've lost your mobility and your connectivity You've lost so much. And don't miss the opportunity to be Mary in the garden alone. And hear the voice. And Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Now listen, John was a fantastic uh, writer. And yeah, I'm I'm bringing to you these pieces that I think are are just magnificently placed in their place so that at every moment, an alert reader can go, oh, I see, I see, I see. But look at this one. Look at this one. He says, don't cling to me. He's literally saying to her, things are not going to be like they were before. And how good would it be if during this crisis, what an incredible season of time. I've never lived through a a, a Lent like this. I've never lived through a fast like this. I've never lived through a season of letting things go and then suddenly having things taken from me like this. Never lived through a time like this. But what if you had such eyes on Jesus that instead of seeing chaos, repercussions of destruction, failure, loss, what if you were seeing new creation? 
What if you're a person who sees that all of creation groans to be clothed from on high? All of creation is longing for redemption, for rescue, for healing. And what if you and I, as, as, uh, as resurrection people, literally real resurrection people, he's back, he's alive. What if we can see Jesus transformatively? Don't cling to me, Mary. It's which is to say, it's not going to be like it was. It's going to be different. I have to ascend. And then he said this to the father. Now he had constantly referred to God as the father, as my father. He had done this stuff, but look what he suddenly does. I'm ascending Mary to my father and your father. Not only is he being reconstituted in a resurrected body, he's reconstituting the family in a, in a new relationship to my father and your father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Let him say these things to you. Don't cling. Don't cling. Don't cling to what you had. Don't cling to what was. Don't cling to the way things were. Ascend. Go to a higher place. Ascend with him. Sit with him. See with him. Understand that in this new world, in this new strange world, you say, what are you you saying? I'm saying that God is at work in history. I'm saying that when Jesus rose from the dead, he assured that things would never be the way they were again. He assured that it, no matter how long it took, the, the grip of Caiaphas would be loosed from religion. The grip of, of Caesar would be loosed from politics. The grip of every force that seeks to conform and mold things into a way that leads to death would have to turn loose. And the life is coming. And Mary, in John's gospel, becomes the first preacher of the gospel. Because the two disciples, what did they do? (laughs) They went and said, something is terribly wrong here. But she comes and he reveals himself to her. When Jesus revealed himself to Mary, he was indicating a new order of things. A new order of things. We're still trying to figure out that new order. In the new order of things, Mary Magdalene has a voice. In the new order of things, Mary Magdalene matters. In the new order of things, Mary Magdalene's life is significant. She went and said, I've seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. I'm ascending to my father and your father. Is he here, father? Can you say to my father and your father? Do you experience the intimacy with God that is in these words? I Listen, Jesus, if you, I'm telling you, if you read the gospel of John, the way he talked about God was a way that was offensive to most people's minds. And now what he does is he says, okay, when resurrection happens, new reality comes. We're not clinging to the old. He's not only my father, he's your father. He's not only my God, he's your God. So let's take a look back just one more time. Firstborn, what does it mean? Remember I told you Passover was the death of the firstborn? 
by faith he, which was Moses, Hebrews chapter 11, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now listen, uh, all that means was that Passover was a time when evil was loosed instead of restrained. But evil was restrained on the house of God's covenant people. And then I told you that in the Passover that Jesus, that Jesus celebrated, I hope you didn't miss it, that Jesus was the one who um, was not passed over. The destroyer of the firstborn came to destroy the firstborn, the firstborn, God's firstborn, Mary's firstborn. Look there in Luke 2. And she, being Mary, gave birth to a firstborn son. Listen, that phrase firstborn son was intentionally placed there. It wasn't even necessary for anybody that's reading the narrative, but it was necessary for people who listen to the echoes of Scripture. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And then the the great new creation chapters, I'll give them to you. The great new creation chapters in the Bible, John 20, Romans chapter 8. I already mentioned it. I went to Romans 8 and one of those first verses where I said, who did not spare his own son. Well, if you missed it, or if you don't understand, know your scriptures, in Romans 8, 29, it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. But don't miss it. Right after that, in verse 32, he called him the unspared son. That is to say, the firstborn who died in the Passover, who wasn't passed over, but who entered into death. People say to me, well, what do you mean he he entered into death? People are always asking, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do on the cross? Let me put it in a simple way. When Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says if you eat the fruit, the day you eat the fruit, you die. They entered into death. And that means death had dominion over them. What Jesus did when he died was he entered into death's dominion. Because that's where they were. He came to get us. He came to rescue us. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, or many brothers. So here's the deal. He became what we were in order to make us what he is. Athanasius and some of the earliest writers of uh, Christian literature wrote. And so here it says, Jesus is the firstborn, but among many. Mary, my, my father and your father. My God and your God. Colossians 1 is your other chapter for new creation reality. For he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now listen, he's the firstborn of all creation. So the uncreated God became a created one. That is to say, he took on humanity. But there's something else going on here. 
the firstborn of all creation, for by him we were all created. All things were created in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This is echoing now John chapter 1. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yep, COVID-19 world, in him all things hold together. You think it's falling apart, one day you'll know it's holding together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church. The church is indestructible. The church is indestructible because it's the body of Christ. The church is indestructible because Jesus is the head of the church. The church is indestructible. I want to tell you, stop speaking curses on the church and speak the blessing of God because Christ is the head of the church. And um, I hear so many Christians speaking against the church. I know they're speaking against religion as it's organized and constituted. That's fine. You're the church. Do it better. Don't curse the darkness. Be the light. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might have the first place. Why does Jesus have the first place? Because he created and and everything found its existence from him. He entered into creation when death came into creation. And then he recreated so that he's the firstborn from the dead. Other people have been bodily resuscitated and died again, but only Jesus was risen and raised bodily. And his body, listen, the fact that Jesus's body was indestructible by death and by the grave, the fact that Jesus re- received back his body, the fact that his body was not there was saying this creation First of all, is good, it's not evil. And second of all, God created it for himself and for his glory, and it will not be destroyed. It will be renewed. It will be brought into new creations of reality so that Jesus is brought into resurrection life. We become brought into resurrection life, and his world will be brought into resurrection life for in him. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth. The split between heaven and earth that sin brought is being reconciled in the fullness of his body, his temple. That temple that on the third day was raised back again. That temple that he sanctified and made holy. That temple that he said of you, you also will be like me. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Doing what? Making peace. Ah, our story is not over. Let's finish it. John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day, and Gail, you can come. We're gonna we're gonna receive communion together. And if you if you haven't prepared, take a minute now because we're gonna receive again. You see, because uh, the communion is not, uh, it's not merely the acknowledgement of the death of Christ. 
Communion is the celebration of new creation life. On the evening of the first day, that first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, I'm going to be Jesus to you, church, wherever you are in your home. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Jesus to you. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So immediately there was that. And then in John 20, don't miss it. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. I'm right back in the garden at the original creation where God breathed into the man and he became a living soul. And now I'm back here and Jesus, the firstborn of new creation, stands before them and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, which is to say, receive the breath of God again. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven, which is to say, go out and proclaim new creation. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. He says, go out and tell them their sins are forgiven. So my privilege today is to say to you, it's, uh, it's new creation day. It is uh, Easter Sunday. It is the third day. It is Resurrection Day. And what did God do? He gave us a meal of created substances, which he said ministers to us uncreated life. And the word is, first of all, peace. So on this Easter day, you receive your peace. We belong to one another. If one of you is in trouble, we're all in trouble. If one of you is suffering, we're all suffering. Reach out to us and let us know how we are, but how you are. But first of all, receive peace. Receive it. And we're going to do it tangibly because we're going to receive Jesus in the supper. So Jesus first took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this is my body broken for you the scripture tells us it is by the stripes in his body that we're healed and so we receive the bread the body of Christ now in Jesus name new creation life Where you are at home, you can really receive now. You're receiving Jesus. I don't care what you have. I don't care if it's a crusty piece of bread, cereal from a box. You bless it and you receive. Saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm receiving you today. 
And I love that the scripture says there's life in the blood. There was life in the blood. And Jesus shed his blood that we would receive his life. He went into the darkness and he overcame the darkness that we would be forgiven, restored to a right relationship with God as Father. So Lord, we thank you for your shed blood and we receive your life in Jesus' name. The blood of Christ is shed for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you, church. So now before we end this service, this is the act of receiving. I want you to receive peace. I want you to receive Jesus. I want you to receive his life. Literally, literally breathe, breathe, breathe. And even as you ate his flesh and drank his blood, now breathe his breath. We love you, church. We love you. Jesus, we love you. We are not of the old we have new creation reality living within us and therefore Lord we declare that we are not afraid even of the loss of all things because all things will be made new the earth is groaning Lord the people are groaning all creation is groaning reveal yourself Now may you be blessed. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.